Hello there, and welcome to Delightful Descent. Uh, today is episode 10, and I'm with Jenny and Mark. So uh, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you. Hi, great to be here, Matthew. Great, thank you. Thank you so much for joining me. It's really good to have you on. Um, today, we're going to be talking about the assumption I can be successful by imitating successful people. Uh, and I think this is a really exciting one because one of the big things I see certainly uh, on LinkedIn, and if you express any interest in coaching at all, you suddenly get deluged with adverts from Facebook and all of these other things where people are really offering things like the secrets of success. And I think it's a really interesting thing to explore and get into. Because for me, not everyone wants the same thing. And even when we do want the same thing, it doesn't necessarily imply that the best way to get it is to do exactly the same thing as everyone else. Uh, and so I'm really interested in getting into this assumption uh, with, with Jenny and Mark today. Um, if you're new to the show or you've only caught a couple, Delightful Descent is about challenging some of the deeper assumptions that we have, the, the things that are implicit, that are just kind of in the background of how we think. The tricky thing with those assumptions is they can really hold us back because they're not decisions we're actively making. They're just kind of there in the background. And I really want to be able to challenge those. And I like to have people on who are challenging those as part of their work. But equally, I really want to be able to model that challenging of assumptions process, the uncovering and the challenging, really, so that everyone can do it. Because I'd like everyone to be able to push their own ideas forward and challenge assumptions that are holding them and other people back. Hopefully, you'll get both some real practical stuff you can take away and some ideas about how you can do this a bit more yourself. The reason the show is called Delightful Descent is because this work is kind of challenging. You know, we're standing up and saying, okay, the way we think about things isn't quite right. There's, there's, there's something wrong here. But it's not about going in and being really oppositional and trying to prove yourself right over someone else. It's about creating a situation where we all learn and we all end up better off for having had the conversation and really doing, having fun doing it. it. It really is about creating delight because that's how we really can move things forward without creating so much friction and conflict. This show is genuinely live. Uh, you might notice things may go wrong. Uh, they certainly have done in the past. Um, Equally, we might well talk about some slightly challenging things. We might talk about personal things. We might talk about things that may be slightly triggering for some people. And there is no guidance about strong language. So if we're talking about serious topics, strong language might come up as well. So just be forewarned that uh, that is a possibility in this show. Uh, as it's live, we can't tell you one way or the other. But if that's a problem for you, then maybe wait until the recording. And there'll be a warning on the description if there is. <laughs> <laughs> this really is about engaging and, and with you as members of the community it's not just a conversation between me jenny and mark today it's a conversation between all of us and if you're watching live i'd really encourage you to use the comments section on youtube we can see them too and we'll be able to respond to them. If you've got any particular questions that come up as we're speaking, please do share them then. If you've got any more general questions, we'll leave some space to discuss them and share them at the end. But do, yeah, please get engaged and comment as much as possible because it really does help us um, really have that broader conversation. Also, as you listen, do ask questions of yourself. You know, is it, we don't, I don't want you to just 
listen and go, mm, yeah, they're, 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 they're kind of the people talking, they're the experts. Engage with it. Do you agree? Don't you agree? You don't necessarily have to tell us, but just it's important to know. And it's, it's a, that active listening is a, is a really important thing to be able to do and, and will help you hopefully enjoy this experience more. So today, um, I'm, I'm talking to Jenny and Mark, and I first met them on one of those, the kind of calls that really I seem to have had a lot of last year. You know, things didn't really go according to plan last year, but one of the unexpected joys was how I've been able to meet people from all over the world that I wouldn't otherwise have met because I've been part of all of these great groups and great events where people are joining from wherever they happen to be. Um, and I started, I had a conversation with both of them in that group. And, and I just, I was really impressed with both their, their kind of approach and the stuff that they were doing, but also with the warmth and openness with which they were doing it. And I think that's a really important part of doing any of this. There's a kind of really lovely mix of practicality and heart in their work. And that's why I was so really keen to get them on the show today. Could I ask you, um, both of you, please, just to introduce yourself a little bit, tell tell us a little bit about your work and the kind of people that you work with, please. Sure. Well, we're really excited to be here yes, and great. we love the idea of challenging assumptions and combining delight with dissent. Yes. So <laughs> thank you for having us. And yeah, so we're Jenny and Mark and, mm -hmm. and we're meaning and purpose coaches and co-founders of Boldly Original. And I guess we can start right out of the gate with some delightful dissent and say that we think that the way that most people go about finding purpose um, is all wrong because a lot of times people start with the question, what should I do with my life? And that's really looking for purpose from the outside in. And we find that that rarely works. And what we found is it's much better to start from the inside out because we believe that everyone's life has perfectly prepared them to heal, teach, or express something in the world. And we call that inner meaning your boldly original proposition or your bop. And finding your bop and how you want to express it in the world um, is the way to find a lot of deep, true meaning. And that's just something that we love helping people with. That's great. Do you, do you have anyone specific that you like to work with, you know, that people tend to, to like working with you? Mm -hmm. Yes. Well, I would say the common denominator is it's people who are creative and who really value meaning. Um, now, within that, we work with really heartfelt entrepreneurs. We worked with um, artists. We've worked with actors and performers um, or creative people in general who have some sort of um, creative undertaking they're doing, uh, activists who have some change they want to make in the world. So, um, so yeah, so, so, so it's a range, but the common denominator is that they have that sense of, I want to do what matters most to me and I can envision a better world than the one I see right now. Lovely. Thank you very much. So before we get into the, the kind of main, uh, main bit of the the conversation i like to ask my guests to share a quote to start with partly because doing dissent is always quite difficult even for those of us who do it regularly and it can be really helpful to get some support from outside from someone else's position that, that really supports yours do uh, you have a quote that you could share with us to absolutely begin? yes 
Love to. And this quote is from Stephen Hayes, um, and it's from his book, A Liberated Mind. Um, and he's one of the kind of top people in what's called uh, ACT or um, acceptance, and, acceptance commitment and, training. and commitment training. Uh -huh. Yes, blinked out for a minute. And it's all about um, accepting everything that's going on inside of yourself. So we all have voices of doubt, voices of fear, all of those kind of things, conflicting emotions. And there's a common thought out there that you have to change those um, and maybe struggle with them. We can talk more about that later. This is an approach that's all about embracing those things. And this um, passage from the book, uh, we think directly speaks to what we're talking about today. So what he says is the dominant social message is that our worth is evaluated by our possessions and by culturally approved forms of achievement or compliance with social expectations, whether that's work success, getting married and having children, or even being happy, in quotation marks. We may find those things authentically meaningful, but if we are pursuing them in order to avoid the pain of social censure and of our own self-criticism, for failing to make the grade, they will be an empty sack. Wow, what powerful <laughs> stuff! Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I think that that what really resonates for me, I think, in in and many of the people I speak to is that many people kind of set off on a journey that they picked up. You know, that people put them on with their best with the best intentions through school through university and in their early career and they often get to a point where they're like actually this isn't quite working for me i think the the um the talking heads song same as it ever was so this is not my beautiful house <laughs> this is not my beautiful car you know i i think that the the, the 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 there's a there's a strange sense of actually not being what we expected, getting what we expected out of this. And I think it really speaks to that for me and, and how how difficult that is, you know, how how when we've we've spent a lot of effort and spent a lot of time going in a direction and suddenly actually this this isn't quite what I wanted. This isn't quite what I expected. It's a it's a hard thing for people to face. Mm -hmm. Yes, very much. We see that a lot with people and we've experienced it ourselves personally who who are entrepreneurs who start a business because they have a dream and then they get into kind of the the daily activity activity of it and uh, start to feel like, uh oh, I've built another box for myself. And even if they're experiencing the outer success that they hoped for, um, they still don't have that sense of deep meaning and purpose and joy from it um, that they were hoping for. And I, I, you know, I think a couple of things are going on there. Like one is that our definition of success is so superficial typically um, that we think about things like this quote was speaking to, you know, status, uh, money, um, acceptability, safety that comes from those things. And, all, some of those things are important. Obviously, we we need a certain amount of money and uh, and all of those things. It's not that they're not important, but we we almost feel like that's the bottom line, you know. And and we can have a whole nother conversation about we live in a world and in cultures that doesn't even guarantee that for people, right? Uh, which is a problem. And so it's a privilege to be able to talk about this. But I think part of our obligation, if we're in that position of being able to even have this conversation, 
is to expand our definition of success because uh, only by doing that will you actually discover what you're really being called to do here and actually be able to do something meaningful that helps others and, and pushes the world forward in a positive way. Yeah. And if you've kind of had a definition of success, which we all almost all have in this culture, because it's such a cultural norm of it being about external things. Um, and even if it, it could be money, but even if it's not, even things like achievement or, or status or whatever are still external. And when you're in that and you try to kind of play that game and maybe feel kind of dead inside, you know, if you're a person who cares about meaning, um, that can happen. And it, there's nothing wrong with you because we can think that, you know, why aren't I happier, you know, or whatever, and then just keep trying to do more and more. But it's actually, even though it's painful, it can be a real um, opening to kind of have that feeling of this isn't working because that really is the portal to a larger definition of success based more meaning that can um, lead you to take different actions more aligned with what's actually meaningful to you. Mm. I think that does lead us really nicely into into exploring the, the assumption of it, you know, that I can be successful by imitating successful people. And I, I definitely, you know, that definitely has some resonance for me uh, as, a, as, as something that definitely I've followed in in the past and wanted to, you know, wanting to learn from people and wanting to really explore what, what other people have done. And also, you know, it's actually very hard to know what you want. I think this is one of the really big challenges. You know, what 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 we really want is it's really quite difficult to know. And and I think there's um it's very easy when people ask you to come up with a kind of answer that really is someone else's. Mm -hmm. You know, to say, well I admire this person and they clearly want that and they've got that. So I want that. Um, and I think that pressure actually to answer that question and answer it kind of well. And when I say well, I mean in a socially approving, a socially approved way as well, you know, because because it's like, you know, it's not just like, well, okay, I, I just want an ice cream. Uh, it's it's not a, it's not an acceptable answer in many contexts. Um, it's got to be something that's kind of ambitious and sounds like it's going to get some approval. Uh, that, that's a hard thing to do. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, that is one of the ways that we came up, or, well, I should say discovered the concept of the BOP, the Boldly Original Proposition. So one of the things we found is that we all have these things deep inside, which we may never have fully articulated, that we actually do feel really passionate about. And a lot of times they're closely related to, to your, your, your wounds, you know, the hurts you've had in your life, the experiences you've had just based on who you were, how you were born, the kind of body you were born into, the, the kind of family you were born into, uh, the different uh, challenges, the different talents, all of those things. Uh, because of that, we've all had these experiences that we've gone through and, and grown through. And there are things inside of us that we're really actually fired up about and feel passionate about. And it takes some deep self-exploration and reflection to articulate those. And then when you do, you can start branching out to, well, what does that mean for me? Um, and, and, and then it's a few steps down the road where you figure out how to take that inner meaning and um, 
and take what you love doing externally, the skills you love to use, et cetera, and then figure out how to talk about it. But most mm. of us, because we haven't really been taught that at all, we haven't fully articulated or even realized that we have an inner meaning. And so we, we are starting at a disadvantage because we're starting with, like if somebody asks you, what do you care about? What's important to you? What do you do, et cetera? Uh, we're instantly trying to figure out what can I say to this person that's going to be socially acceptable, that's going to be advantageous in some way. Um, and that keeps us kind of stuck and superficial and, and continually searching, but never quite getting to it. Yeah, yeah. And when you were saying earlier, Matthew, about like this pressure that it needs to somehow sound good, what we love to do when we talk about meaning is take that pressure totally off the table. Your your bop or your inner meaning is really just for you. It's like a philosophical underpinning mm -hmm. that um, may not even sound unique. I mean, it might, but it might be like a basic philosophical principle. Like I believe everyone deserves to feel like they, they're loved and that they matter. It might be something just very kind of core that isn't like a fancy statement of what you do or whatever. It might be something you share, but, it's, but it might not. It might be very personal. And, and you really arrive at that not by being asked by the world or having to show anything to the world, but by a process of like deep inner reflection of what really matters. And then it can inform what you do. So like, for example, um, we have this one client who's a videographer and her bop is around, I'm here to pierce reality and to help people challenge assumptions um, and see things in a way that can lead to a more humane treatment of themselves and others in the planet. So that's like kind of her bop. Um, and then that informs her work as a videographer because now she only takes projects, uh, video projects, where there's like an opportunity to do that and to show something to the viewers in a different way, challenging assumptions. So, um, but she didn't start out thinking like, I'm a videographer and what kind of, you know, she started out with what matters. Mm. I, I think it's it's really interesting. And I, for me, I think it's very interesting personally because in a similar way, I, you know, I I kind of work with some similar themes with the people that I work with too. But I'm actually really interested in how did you come to this? You know, why why does why did this matter to you? If you if you kind of think about it in the same terms that we're talking about, why why is this your boldly original proposition? <laughs> to have a boldly original proposition. Uh, well, <laughs> I would say that. Uh, I was always sort of skirting around without really realizing it, what, how to express what was really meaningful to me. So I was a writer. I did some, uh, I, I did emotional release work as a counselor, helping people. Um, I did instructional design where I was designing uh, online education, all these things. And um, I would go in and out of feeling like it was meaningful. Um, and then actually what happened was, one day, uh, I think I was actually meditating and this phrase came to me and it was, uh, find your voice, find your joy, find your life. And I thought, well, what does this mean? And I kind of started exploring it and realized because of my personal experience, I could trace that back. And um, I, I won't go into all the details of my history, but um, I have a, a movement disorder and as a kid, um, I was punished for it. It was not understood. I didn't know what it was. And I learned to hide it. And that in combination with a bunch of different things gave me the message, um, 
that I didn't really deserve to be heard. And I realized that that had been my uh, kind of lifelong journey was to discover that I actually do have something to say and deserve to be heard. And that all the moments when the work I was doing, whether it was you know designing a training or writing a newsletter for somebody or doing web design, all different things, the moments any outer work felt meaningful to me was because I was helping somebody else express their voice and on some level get that they needed to be heard. And uh, we did a lot of processing with ourselves. You had some similar realizations. And um, as we started working with, with clients who were developing businesses, we kind of developed this approach of inquiry where we realized everybody has that kind of thing going on inside where there's something passionate to them. And we had experience passionate for them. And they, we had this experience of recognizing that people will get to a point where they have a realization and you can say it back to them. It seems like it's this, it's very connected to their wound, their experience. And when people have that, they, it's like a light switch has gone on. They typically have a strong emotional reaction to it. And, um, that was a long answer, but that's really how it, it, it came about. It came about from our own challenges with this and our own personal processing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like Mark said, it is often very connected to people's wounds, to that very thing that you struggle with. So like for me, I had had a history of, um, I was a really creative child. I composed music and wrote and did all these things, just kind of naturally played with creativity. And then somewhere along the the way, I got this message that I needed to use my creativity to prove myself and to create things that would get approval. And it kind of killed it for me, you know, and I kind of just stopped doing as many creative things, like as, um, even kind of an older kid, you know, because of that and, and, and got into situations where just the very thing we're talking about, you can be successful by imitating other people would kind of look to other authority figures to tell me um, what I should do and all of that kind of thing. And, and so that's very related to my bop, like my personal, my bop, my bop is um, I'm not here to follow anyone else's rules. I'm here to create my own rules and my own vision for the, my, my life and have the courage to live it. So this bop really came out of not doing that for a long time and it feeling really awful, you know, and then seeing, so often your bop, I mean, there's, there's always clues to it your whole life, but often it's also related to a wound of something you haven't given yourself permission to do that's really authentic to you. Mm. I, there's, there's, there's all sorts of really interesting things in there for me, but one, one of the really big ones is, yeah, that, that idea of often the stuff that we've, we've experienced as marginalized, we've experienced as wrong in us. And, and you know, it's, it's a strange thing for someone, you know, we were talking about, we kind of mentioned privilege and and, and this idea. We, we do have quite a high degree of, of, of just being allowed to, to, to do this and to explore this. But there, there feels like something quite important about that we're not fully privileged. You know, there are some marginalized aspects for almost all of us. And certainly all of the people that I work with and talk to uh in in this in this show and i think it may be true for some people that they have that nice clear series of steps that they can align what they do and it's all kind of you know you you study you go through you find something meaningful and it's all all done for you but for quite a lot of us at some point you realize that that path isn't working but then that means stepping off any 
prepared path. And that that's a that's that's a completely different thing. And I think as related to kind of trauma, maybe it you know, and and our previous suffering, it's when we have naturally wandered off the path and then been punished for it in some way. We we learn that we shouldn't do that. And it stops us using all of our capability and all of our, our whole self to do things. And I think for me, that's the really interesting other side of this assumption is it's not just about other people's success. It's about how they reach it. And that the way that people reach whatever they want, even if we want very similar things, could be completely different. You know, I often talk to people who are almost working for the same thing in opposite directions to me. And if we tried to do the same thing with our different perspectives and different experiences and different capabilities, we just we wouldn't be our we wouldn't be anywhere near as effective as we can be if we're we're doing our own thing as us. And I think that's a really important part of this too. Absolutely, I love that you said that, <clears throat> and what you said about people getting to us somewhere in opposite ways or in different ways. And that's something I think that's missed in a lot of the conversation around success right now, because there are so many coaches, motivational speakers, online marketers who will tell you, you know, the, 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 you know, the six steps to six figures and the, this and the, that, right. You know, you know, we're all familiar with that. And, um, a lot of it, I think is actually charisma parading as expertise. And, uh, so you see somebody who looks really good, sounds really good, and they keep telling you, sometimes overtly and sometimes covertly, how they have it all. You know, they're so successful, they have the freedom, they have whatever. And um, it's a kind of a natural human instinct to think, well, I wanna be like that person. They look so good, they sound so good. But often what worked for them isn't really going to work for you. You're a completely different kind of person. You may not even value their definition of success. Um, and like we said earlier, you can end up building a business even, and maybe even having external success, but it won't feel deeply meaningful to you. And it will, it will feel like another box. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And there, yeah, and there are a lot of things that I think kind of get repeated without us really questioning them. And that's what's so great about, you know, really deconstructing some of these ideas. So you'll hear all these different kinds of hacks or, or assumed ways to be successful, you know, like, like get up at five in the morning or, or whatever, you know, and, and it just doesn't work for people who are night people or, you know, um, you have to price your services a certain way, you know, which just isn't true. There are many different ways of doing it. Or, or you need to grow um, your your business if you have a business or thing like in a certain time frame or in a certain way, you know, which just that may not be aligned with everyone's values. So, but when these things kind of get parroted over and over and loudly, and especially by charismatic people, um, we can just start to kind of accept them that that's the way it is, and even repeat them you know, ourselves. So I think it's really important to kind of look at some of these assumptions of what we're told and say, well, wait a minute, is that really true? And if that doesn't feel true to me, maybe because that's not true for me, you know? Mm -hmm. I I think there's something really interesting there. And this, um, how powerful it can be when someone, when someone is charismatic and can very clearly state stuff and has that clarity. And it can be quite a dangerous thing, I think. And, and, there are there are a number of people who are coaches and who do in other kind of domains of influence and, and interpersonal work as well who have a huge amount of 
power in terms of being able to influence people and, and create that model of success. And I think that charisma can come from a good place and can come from confidence and can come from self-confidence, but it can also, something that looks an awful lot like charisma can also come from fear and that need to really push oneself out into the world and need to change the world, you know, in a specific way. And that's actually something really quite different. And I, and I think for me, I've, I've certainly in the past really struggled to tell the difference. I, I still do sometimes. And, and it, it's very easy to be overwhelmed by someone's kind of, you know, energy and have them kind of do that. And I think, is there anything, is that something you've come across? And how, how do you work with that when, when you encounter it? Yeah, it's definitely something we've come across. And yeah, yeah. So I think the one of the points is that charisma isn't bad. It isn't good. It's what you do with it, like every other element of the human experience. <laughs> and, uh, you know, so when you're with that person or experiencing that person, you have to keep checking in with yourself. Okay, I might be drawn to how happy this person seems or how, how good they look or the, the income they're saying they're ha they have, um, but are they, are they using fear to motivate me is one question. You know, there are a lot of people who say certain things that have become almost like platitudes and are common in, in marketing. And if you really kind of pull them apart, what they're really telling you is do it this way or you won't succeed, you know, uh, follow me or you won't succeed. Uh, build it this way or you won't succeed. Everybody else does it this way. Um, and, you know, I have this certain technique and everybody who's successful, this is what they do, right? And and you just really kind of need to be aware. It's almost like you have to go in realizing that if you're strongly drawn to someone, that's not necessarily bad, but it can kind of take you over and be like a trance almost put you in a trance. And in that moment, you can be vulnerable. You can, you can lay down your money. You can sign up for something. You, know? you can give yourself over in some way that later you're going to regret. Uh, so I think it's about really kind of pulling apart what they're actually saying to you. How do you really feel about it? Is it uh, inspiring you or is it some kind of fear about yourself? And also, are they playing to some sort of uh, judgment you have about yourself. Like some of the things like Jenny just said about when people will say, you know, you need to get up early. You need to read these books and not those books. Uh, you need to advertise this way and not that way. Um, are they saying things that are truly interesting and empowering? Or are they saying something where you're going, thank God I, I was afraid and now this person has the answer. So I'm just going to put all my trust here because I just want this to be solved for me. I don't want to deal with this fear. So I'm going to just kind of lay all my cards on the table right now and surrender to this. Uh, and if that's what's happening, take a breath, <laughs> take a pause, you know? <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. mm, there's, there's something really interesting there, that the idea of surrendering to someone else versus surrendering to yourself really comes out of that mm -hmm. for me, you know, and, and they're, they're really, quite different things and, and, and the, the the idea that we can kind of just hand over almost hand over the responsibility for our success the um and, and when i say responsibility 
I don't mean fault. I've been through it. it, it it's a loaded word, and it's really if it's it's a choice. It's about choice and making it something that falls potentially partially within your domain of choice that you can choose the path. You can't choose the outcome, but you can choose the path. Right. And and making that taking that on is something actually I mean I think it's something we're probably told not to do very often you know and and there are really big reasons that if you've worked in large organizations or been through a conventional schooling system or many of those things you know if we've done that in the past and it's gone wrong it's resulted in really unpleasant outcomes and I, I think that taking that on for yourself and being able to engage with that on your own terms is, is a is a really huge huge challenge mm -hmm. yes yeah, I, I, it is a really huge challenge. Learning to trust yourself is a huge challenge for most people. Um, so much of our, the training we get just culturally growing up, it's not about trusting yourself. It's about measuring up, right? Like from the earliest age, Jenny was talking about creativity. From the earliest age in school, you get a grade. And, you know, they don't say, this is wonderful. You made so many mistakes here. You must have learned a lot, right? <laughs> what a... A uh, contradiction that human nature is when you start something new, you're not good at it and you don't trust yourself. And yet, before you're even old enough to have really critical facilities, you're, you're given a grade and you're given feedback on how well you did. Well, of course, you didn't do well if something is completely new to you. And of course, there are going to be some things you have more natural um, aptitude for than others. But we're all so inundated from such an such a early, early moment that success is about performance. It's about measuring up. There'll be repercussions for you if you don't do well immediately. So we're coming in with that mindset. And then people show up to tell you in various ways, look at me. I have it all. Now you don't need to trust yourself. You can trust me. They don't say that explicitly, you know. And there are some people who are charismatic, who are wonderful, who are actually helping you to trust yourself more, but, but there's a lot of the opposite. And so we're primed to trust someone else more than ourselves, I think, and to want someone to take away this idea of I'm not good enough, whatever that looks like for us. And, and that, that's, a, that's a setup. Mm. Mm. I think the other thing to be aware of in terms of how can we kind of be careful to not fall into that is sometimes usually when it's a, a you know charismatic person it's it, it could be just them but often it can involve a group of a lot of people saying the same thing who are also following that person and so that can amplify it even more and so you'll hear a lot um a lot of uh talk around kind of imitating people to get success, but also like what a success mindset is, which is another way of saying imitate, because it's like there's there's a good mindset and a bad mindset, you know, mm -hmm. kind of assumption there. So that's also a way of saying imitate. Um, and so like one thing you'll often hear, and it, this is another thing too that um, with charisma you can kind of look out for is, are terms actually being defined specifically or are they just kind of more fuzzy where it can kind of be a bucket for whatever anybody thinks it is? So like success mindset is a term like that. Like, what does that really mean? There's no real definition of that. So anyone can kind of put anything in there, you know, the person saying it and the person listening, mm -hmm. you know. Similar with leadership, uh, mm -hmm. responsibility or personal responsibility, all these terms that are complicated and may mean different things to different people. 
and so often you'll find someone and they're saying things that feel really good, but you don't actually know exactly what they mean by it. And the net effect is that you, you question yourself mm. and what you're really, what you're, what you're underneath, you know, your critical facilities, what you're really hearing is there's something wrong with me that I need to change and do differently. And you're not quite sure what it is. <laughs> and, <laughs> right. I guess those terms kind of give you space to project your fears into them a little mm-hmm. bit. And yeah. when, when someone's saying them with like great confidence and great clarity, right. and you don't quite know what they are, mm-hmm. there's a bit of your brain that's going, well, I don't know what that is. And they clearly do because they're talking <laughs> about it like they really know what it is and how <laughs> right. it all works. What's wrong with me? Um, that's right exactly that's that's really that that is a really that's a kind of psychological trick and i think knowing Mm -hmm. to knowing that that happens is a is a really really helpful thing but being able to spot that it's happening is is another thing altogether and is a practice i think is a case of practice Mm -hmm. i think the other thing that really came up for me when when you were both talking is that we've, we've spoken about success and the assumption is about success and the flip side of success is failure you know, and and how we relate to failure is a really interesting thing. And and one of the mindset things is getting comfortable with failure. It's like, mm-hmm. great, so I'm uncomfortable with failure, so now I failed at failure. Um, right. And it's like <laughs> it, they they create these kind of weird double binds when you have to have to have the thing and not the other thing at the same time. Mm-hmm. And I think this idea you you know, you're talking about we're not allowed to fail at school is like there's one right way to do it. And the the more wrong we are, the more of a problem that is, the more we fail around that. And instead of accepting that there are many right ways or very many good ways to do something and that we're finding what our own is. And on that path, there will be failure and there will be success. And seeking to minimize failure doesn't maximize success. In fact, it minimizes success as well. Right, right. And that's, that, I think, is, you know, if people are, thinking about, okay, yeah, this is resonating, but I'm not really sure where to start with this. I think that idea of really taking small steps and allowing that, creating a situation where it's okay to fail for yourself, Mm -hmm. um, possibly entirely in private to start with, because that can be one of the really hard things. You know, we we do this for so long, we're ashamed of doing it in private, let alone in front of anyone else. So just letting yourself get out there and start to be a little bit, bold with yourself is probably one of the for me i think in my, my personal experience that was the first step and wow when i did it that felt really you know like, ooh, ooh, you know it's really quite a transgressive thing to do <laughs> yeah 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 well I, yeah i mean the whole the whole, failure is such a charged word for us right and it's it's kind of i think unfortunate because really what is failure something didn't work okay that's not a judgment on your character, you as a per- it didn't work. Great. So why didn't it work? You can look at it when think about what you'd like to do next or how you would do it differently. Um, w- one thing I like to uh, kind of use as an example with people, we worked with someone who is a, an up and coming comedian. And one of the great things about being a comedian is you literally have to go out there and try material and stand in front of uh, an audience and tell jokes that don't work. <laughs> and it's funny, I can't think of any other human situation where people are as willing to give you immediate negative feedback as when you tell a bad joke, right? <laughs> they'll boo, they'll hiss, they'll, they'll you know, catcall nasty things. And um, 
how empowering it is when someone can get to the point, as comedians do, of being able to withstand that. You know, they knowingly go up on a stage in front of a large group of people to try jokes, knowing that they're going to get booed, they're going to get blank looks, <laughs> all of that. Think about the strength of character that takes. And I love that as an image because I feel like if you're doing any sort of, um, especially like a heartfelt business, if you if you want to start a business, say, for example, or it could be another kind of mission in your life, but um, you're going to have those moments where you feel like a comedian who's just told a joke in front of a large auditorium and no one laughed, right? Mm -hmm. And we mostly try to run from those moments. We consider that failure because we, we feel humiliation. We feel all these things. And like you said, the only way to really have success is to keep doing it. And, and, and most of us aren't going to get to the point where we could comfortably stand in front of a large auditorium and tell jokes that bomb. But I think that is a great ideal <laughs> to strive for, you know? It, it has an energy to it, doesn't it? Yeah. Putting yourself out there has an energy. And that's probably why I actually like to do these live. It's because yes. they do have a different feel. If we recorded it, you know, we'd set out with the same intent, same conversation. It would be a different conversation if it wasn't live. Right. And. I think comedy is a really interesting one, though, and as a great lens to look through all of this work, because, you know, when we are doing the kind of change work, whether we're doing it with individuals, whether we're doing it with organizations, whatever it is, we are kind of subverting narratives. You know, mm -hmm. we're, we're, we're looking at that. And that's actually the root of quite a lot of comedy as well. You know, it's setting up a narrative and then subverting it. That's right. what that's, we create, you create that kind of tension and then you resolve it in a funny way. Mm -hmm. And I think the idea that, that's okay. And one of the, the jokes can fail in different ways as well. Jokes can just fall flat. You know, there isn't the tension there or the resolution isn't satisfying, but they can also be offensive. Mm -hmm. You know, they can subvert the, subvert the narrative in a way that the current audience don't like, mm -hmm. points out something that they're uncomfortable with. And I think knowing that our work when we share it can, can be all of those things as well. It can fall flat. It just doesn't resonate. That's okay. But equally, I think for me, there's, there's also a, a fear, a concern, you know, when someone else has already been successful, someone has already kind of blazed the trail. We know who's going to respond. How we can, we can look around and say, okay, those people who I care about mm -hmm. don't mind this. So it's okay. Mm -hmm. If I go out and say something completely original, I don't actually know how anyone's going to react, including the people who I care about. And that's a really tough thing to, to do. It, 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 does, it, it does require a kind of, yeah, strength of character is, is, is an interesting way. I, I'm not, I haven't entirely explored character. It's a word I'm not 100% comfortable with, but, but that is one, one way to describe it. So, yeah, it's, um, it, it, it requires a certain something, definitely. Yes. You know, I think another way that can help, too, is to think about... Um, your your values too maybe that's a different way to frame it rather than character but like what 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 do you really value mm. and if there's something around putting yourself out you know a, in an original way you know maybe that's around authenticity for example maybe that's like really a value or maybe it's around integrity like there's something you know you need to do even though it's not convenient or whatever but but kind of thinking of these things in terms of values can kind of give you that strength to do something, even though there is going to be, there could very well be a downside in terms of response. You know, mm. it, it, it's that. You mm. know, I, I think it's it's committing to something, isn't it? Committing mm. to the joke, committing to what you're saying, <laughs> committing to the. Because if you don't commit to that, 
it doesn't, you know, it, it doesn't land. But equally, I, I think commitment is another one of those words. You're, you're talking, Mark, about, you know, all those words that are very misused and misunderstood. And that's one of my big intentions on this show is to really unpick some of these words that we we hear repeated endlessly and that, that are used in some quite unhelpful ways. And I, I think commitment is one of those for me. So I, I really like to know how you think about it love to talk about that yeah 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 that is absolutely so yeah uh and i and one of the things that's interesting is uh i think when you think of the field of coaching and online marketing a lot of times these words get taken further and further and further so commitment now there's self-commitment and self-trust and and it gets to the point it's not that there isn't some truth to it but it can get to the point where anything you've said you're going to do you always have to do any thought you've you've had on something you might like to do, you have to act on. It's it's almost like um, commitment becomes you can never change anything. Um, and what whoa, us ourselves being creative people, and what we find in general with people who are creative and actually want to do something original and meaningful, is that sometimes commitment is not the sort of the frame that motivates you. And, and leads you to taking the steps that you truly want to take. It can be stifling. It can be frightening. And sometimes we like to ask, how can you move forward with this with the least amount of commitment possible? You know, mm -hmm. And it's different. That doesn't mean, of course, that you don't follow through on anything and you let your laziness or your fear or those kind of qualities lead and take over. But it does mean that you're, you can experiment, you can try something, and you can also change your mind if circumstances change, or you try something and you realize that actually didn't feel good, that didn't mm. go the way I thought it would. So yes, I think it's really important. Commitment is one of those words that uh, everybody talks about it like it's always a good thing, and it's always something to aspire to more and more and more, but not necessarily. Mm, absolutely. Mm. I, I think degrees of freedom matter. Yes. You know, we, we need choice um, mm -hmm. and we need to be able to revise ourselves and we also need to be able to display different aspects of ourselves mm -hmm. i think that's the the other thing is that, you know you might be authentically being you in one circumstance and then be completely authentically being you in another circumstance and that won't necessarily make sense to everyone who doesn't know you fully it might mm -hmm. not even make sense to you but it can <laughs> still be true and and right. that i think you know for me that that is more important and it's it's the commitment to the small thing mm -hmm. that that actually is commitment to a series of the small things rather than the really big thing and i think that 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 can be really quite a difficult way to think about things and how are we committing because we, we're kind of committing to a journey and a series of unknown steps rather than saying okay we can figure all this out and be sure about it ahead of time totally totally and kind of what you're saying it's um, almost like commitment has become like consistency and human mm. beings just are not consistent that's right you know by nature <laughs> Like we're a jumble. <laughs> we're, we're a jumble of like all these different, you know, contradictory things. Yeah. And so, yeah, commitment when it's taken to the extreme has become like you must always. It's a kind of like consistency or, you know, like discipline to the extreme or something. And and to actually do that, you would have to so become like internally monitoring yourself, you know, and not allowing for all of you to actually just be there you know, and be accepted. You have to be like, this is okay. That's not okay. You know, um, to do that, which would really, really cut you off from meaning and therefore success. If success really is about meaning. 
and you know we talked about your 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 bop it's kind of like your underlying guiding philosophy the meaning you want to express in the world which is different from the expression of it right so one of the things is when you know kind of your values which we talked about and 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 your bop you can commit to that and one day that might mean that oh i need to change i need to do the opposite of what i thought i was going to do today because you know today getting up early would not be a compassionate thing to do right <laughs> you know uh now this idea that i had for this thing i was going to offer doesn't seem so wise it doesn't it no longer feels aligned you know so so you have a kind of an inner commitment to your value and what's meaningful to you uh but then a lot of flexibility flexibility in terms of um the commitment you make to the expression of that mm i i think it's really interesting because i had an experience with this show a, a little while back that really brought it home for me how i was thinking about this stuff and it was actually quite a weird incongruity was and i like to be well rested like be able to pay attention and be in a good place to be able to do this show because it so I, I arrange my day around it and I'm quite careful you know I make sure I'm not too tired and I make sure everything's all right before I appear because that's it's live and I like to do that and I had a situation where I, I didn't sleep terribly well the night before and, and normally I would do a bit of work before the lunchtime shows and, and do stuff and as well as my kind of normal morning practice um and I realized actually, you know, the best thing for what I'm trying to do for the show, I'll, I'll be happy, is, is if I actually just sleep a bit more, get a bit more sleep because I didn't sleep very well. Mm -hmm. um, and so I can appear my, you know, do my best work in front of the audience and in front of the, you know, for the people that I'm having the conversation with. And what really occurred to me was, well, why don't I do this for my own work? <laughs> why don't I treat all everything I do like this? Why is it only the stuff that's in public that I'm worried about? Why, why, why am I not, you know, there was an element of not doing it for myself. And I, I thought that was a really interesting revelation for me that I was kind of treating the stuff that mattered to me, deeply, yeah. just me, as less important somehow than the stuff that was public and shared. Mm -hmm. This, I sort of relates. I think I think it follows from this. One thing I like to think about, I that that is such a good point, right? We all tend to do that, you know, think more about what's going to be public facing than what we're doing for ourselves. And and um one one thing I like to think about, like for example, if you have a business, um, and again, kind of another analogy or metaphor is do you know how people send out holiday cards, Christmas card, New Year card, holiday card? And uh traditionally it's completely positive. It's everything wonderful that happened for me and my family this year. And you read it and you think, wow, I guess you had a good year. <laughs> and you know, you're supposed to be happy for them, which maybe you are, but you also have think, well, my year wasn't quite that rosy. So uh, one year, a friend of mine received a card, which was a holiday card from somebody from another culture. And it was mostly really sad things that had happened that year, but it was so honest. And it was really touching and also mind opening to read it because you thought, wow, this is not how we communicate. And I sometimes think about that, you know, when you're building a business, and this again uh, gets back to following other people's vision of success. Are you building a business that is the authentic expression 
of who you want to be in your work and all of your life? Or are you building the holiday card version, which is, you know, looks really good and impressive to everybody else. But inside you're going this, this, I'm kind of faking it here, or I'm leaving part of myself out, you know? Mm. And I think this is, this is a really interesting idea. And one of the things I like to do to kind of sum up what can be quite a wide-ranging conversation been <laughs> quite a wide-ranging conversation yes. is give people something that they can stop doing if they would like if they if they like if they want to implement some of what, what we've talked about as well as something that they can start doing and i think the idea of stopping worrying quite so much about looking kind of completely polished completely confident completely professional and instead think about what's going on for you and and sharing that totally positive and negative um or you know and and the idea that positive positive and negative are difficult things in you know we we never entirely know whether something's good or bad it might feel good or bad in the moment and it might have good or bad consequences later on so the but the stuff that feels bad and the stuff that feels a little bit oh i'm not a successful person if this has happened to me i think when we can share that as well as part of our journey and as part of reaching out to the people that we really want to speak with, I think that's a really powerful thing to do. And it's, for me, in my work, it's just been a huge relief not having to be perfect, not trying to have this perfect persona anymore, letting myself make mistakes, letting myself have failures and, and letting myself enjoy them sometimes. Sometimes they're hilarious. <laughs> you know, some of the funniest situations come out through massive, like ridiculous stuff, um, and actually enjoying that. So, yeah, I, I think it's a it's a really powerful approach, and and this idea that we have to we have to imitate other people who are successful, and in a sense, imitate looking successful as well. You know, if we can let go of that a little bit or loosen the grip a little bit, it's 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 surprisingly liberating mm -hmm. yes yes it's, it's like you don't want to build something in your life that's the sh that's a shell that mm -hmm. that that gives you the trappings of how you want to look so that other people will assume you feel a certain mm -hmm. way you know you actually want to have the experience of feeling in your life how you want to feel and like you said you can only do that when you kind of let go of being so focused on the appearance and are willing to do what's what's really meaningful to you. And some people will get it and will love that you're doing it and some people won't. Yeah. So a good kind of practical way to, to think about what to let go of to kind of narrow it a little bit so it's not such a big question is, um, you know, you can think of one area of your life, let's say, that's important to you right now. It could be work and career, it could be relationships, it could be, you know, community contribution, whatever. And, and just kind of check in like how you feel in that area. Like how, how aligned does that area of your life feel, like say on a scale of one to 10 from um, in terms of what really matters to you, what's meaningful to you with your values. Um, uh, and if you're not sure about that, that might require some more work around what really is meaningful to you and your values and kind of going there. But if you have a sense for that, kind of how does that area feel? And then just asking yourself like, what would I wanna let go of? in that area so that it did feel more meaningful to me, you know? And things will come to you when you just kind of ask the question, you know, in a curious, open-ended way, something will come to you, you know? And I, I think for me, 
I personally find that I ask the question in different ways. Sometimes I do it through kind of, I, I write, free, I do kind of free writing and random strange things come out or uh, meditation or whatever. But whatever your kind of practices for engaging with this stuff, even walking, you know, asking yourself mm -hmm. a question without demanding an answer and then going for a walk. It's weirdly effective when you when you throw this stuff at, at the, the the unconscious brain. Mm -hmm. it's, it's a great way way to do things. Yeah, so I really love this, and I think you know doing this work that is helping people connect with themselves and and connect with the purpose is really wonderful work. And really, this idea of liberation and, and the kind of the shame of the the cage that we almost create for ourselves, the, you know, the, the the gilded cage of of being successful on someone else's terms, is 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 a really difficult thing. And and what's weird is whilst we kind of create the cage ourselves, we can't necessarily get ourselves out of it. <laughs> and uh, and doing this work and and with with others is really you know is is a really wonderful thing. So thank you very much for. Uh, for sharing everything with us today. I, I, I really enjoyed that. Um, I hope, hope you enjoyed the conversation too. Very much. Yeah. Thank you. Thank this you. It's been a great conversation. Yeah. Great. And love what you're doing as well. Thank mm. you. Um, if people do want to get in touch with you, uh, really resonated and have a conversation, you know, continue this conversation with you. How, what's the best way for them to do that? Yeah, well, people can go to our website, uh, boldlyoriginal.com, and there's a way to contact us on the site if you have any questions or, or want to email us. Great. Thank you. Yeah, there's a there's a link mm -hmm. in the in the show notes as well. Mm -hmm. So if you want to check that out, please do. And is there anything specific that you've got coming up or anything that, that people could follow up specifically that you'd like them to, you know, that, that might help them if they want to learn more in general? Yeah, yeah. For people who want to take this process a little further of like, discovering more what is really meaningful to you. We have um, a guide that can help you start uncovering your deepest purpose, and it's called Six Power Prompts. And um, one thing that, as we've mentioned, that we found is really helpful when you're digging into uncovering your bop or what's most meaningful to you is asking yourself a series of self-reflective questions and then letting the answers come. And, and we find that these deep questions can help bring forward things that you're really passionate about that you may not have even articulated fully before. Um, so this guide has some key questions that can help really bring forward what is most meaningful to you and what matters most to you. And, and that's at sixpowerprompts.com. Cool. Great. And there's, there's a link to that in, in the show notes as well. So great. Thank you very much. And I hope for you in the in the audience this is this has raised some thoughts and uh, if you do have any questions or want to want to raise anything with with me or or with uh, jenny and mark please please do reach out and get in touch the next episode is going to be uh 1 p.m uk time on thursday the 28th of january and i'm going to be talking to fox gear about the assumption i'm only worth the effort that i put in uh, this is a really interesting one, and we mentioned pricing, uh, and um, it's not. Whilst it sounds pricing can be quite dry, and this is this is very much not about this. This is interestingly related, and I think this idea of understanding where you have unique value is really, really related uh, in the conversation that we've been having today and and to next week. So, I'd really love for you to join us then as well. Thank you so much for joining me today, um, both uh, Jenny and Mark. It's been really lovely having you on. So, yeah, thank you. Thank you. This has been great. Thanks. Great. And thank you all for watching. It really is 
the audience that, that makes this happen and, and your support that, that makes this possible. Please do, uh, if you'd like to support us, just think about this show. Think about the stuff, engage with it, and share it with someone else. What you thought about it. Not the link, necessarily, not anything else. Just what you thought about it, what it got you thinking about. Have those conversations and go out there and make some delightful dissent for yourselves. Thank you and goodbye. <laughs>